Well, hey, friends, glad to be with you here today. My name is Larry. I'm one of the pastors here. If you're with us online, so glad to have you. Also, just want to invite you to actually be a part of this faith community in, purpose, uh, in person with purpose. There, I made it all work. Um, but anyways, glad to have all of you here today. We are uh, in week two of a six-week conversation about this fascinating com- uh, question that we actually got from Google, which is, what happens when you die? Uh, a lot of people actually have this question. It's one of the most popular questions on Google. We talked about this a little bit last week. Um, and we ended with this idea last week, setting up this framework that the conversation and counterpoint and framework that we're going to continually be looking through and what the Bible looks through is that this is about heaven and earth, not about heaven and hell, although we are going to talk about hell and all the other fun things that uh, you get to talk about when you talk about that, right? Right? Aren't you excited? Um, And we saw and discovered that through the ethos and the entire scope and sequence of Scripture, um, God wants to be with you, that he's all about being relational and connective. And even ended with a next step that I hope many of you took this last week and found some really beautiful moments. And you asked this question, God, help me to see how you are with me today. Not God be with me today, because he's already there, he wants to do this, but may God, we see how you're with me today, can I stop and pause in these moments and see how you are with me, or at work in me, or around me? And uh, today we're continuing that conversation with heaven. Uh, We're going to talk about heaven actually for two weeks, because I think there's just a lot to unpack about it, and it's something that uh, many of us are really interested in, because we, you know, of loved ones, or ourselves, or just everything that goes into it, what is it like, what does it look like, and I... Got a lot of really great questions from you, and I actually wanted to tell you that if you haven't asked a question yet and you're interested in asking a question, we would love to get them, um, because I'm going to try to unpack them as much as we can over this series, and then we're going to have a larger conversation to kind of wrap it up to make sure we hit everybody's questions. But you can submit your questions on our Instagram, uh, and you can let us know some of your questions there. Like one of the questions I got last week was, will there be cars in heaven? Interesting. All right. <laughs> um, really good questions. Um, you can also do that on Facebook or just figure out how to message us anyway. I mean, if it needs to be email, I've gotten some in emails um, that just felt like I didn't want to put it out there on the internet, my question, but I would really love to understand this. So for these next couple of weeks, we're taking questions. Really, I'm focusing on them in the next 24 hours and then the next week, the 24 hours. And this week uh, is heaven, then we have heaven part two, and then we're going to talk about judgment, and then we're going to talk about hell, and then we're going to talk about the kingdom. And so um, as we unpack this uh, fairly robust conversation about what happens when you die. So one thing that I want to preface as we continue to move forward in this conversation is a couple principles. Here's a key principle Um, that I would love us to understand, as I think this is really going to help us dig in and ask more questions, and at times we're not going to get the answers maybe that we want. Here's this principle. When the scripture is clear, speak clearly. We want to look at and see that what the scripture has to say about things, and when it's clear, we want to be able to speak clearly about it. But here's the other principle to this, is when the scripture isn't clear, don't pretend it is, right? Right? Many of you have maybe listened to things or found someone's account or a YouTube thing or an Instagram guy and you're like following them or her or whoever and, you know, they're like telling you all kinds of things. But when you look at it, the things that they're talking about aren't necessarily clear. Many of you are maybe even familiar with different groups of people that says, I found something in the book of Daniel and then it took Revelation and found this thing in 1 Thessalonians and so I figured out when Jesus is coming back, like when the end times are happening, right? You've seen it on billboards, right? It's just not true. It's just not going to happen. 
It's just not clear. You don't find it in there. And so there's no reason to pretend that this is clear. In essence, what I'm saying is don't major in the minors. Don't major in the minors. The major uh, is that he is going to come back, not when he's coming back. That's a minor. And we can often find ourselves majoring in these minors and getting ourselves in all kinds of trouble when it comes to trying to understand Scripture and what that looks like. And so, therefore... I'm going to have some conversations that some of this stuff, I'm just like, I don't know. We don't know. We get little hints and some ideas and little bits of understanding. We can try to put some stuff together. And other things, it says really clearly. And we want to focus on that and understand that. So when it comes to some of your questions, some of my answers are going to be like, I don't know. But here's what I could maybe get behind. Here's what maybe I could understand. Here's what we could wrestle with and see what kind of God does with that. When we're talking about heaven... We're not necessarily talking about what the Bible is talking about. Most often we find ourselves, when we're talking about heaven with someone else, we're reflecting on ourselves. Culturally, we're often talking about exactly what happens right after you die. And this is actually when uh, the Bible calls it something called paradise, right? And that's what most people want to know. Like, what happens right after I die? Like, I lost a loved one. Where are they? Are they in heaven? And that's what we culturally are talking about, but that's actually not what the Bible is talking about when it's talking about heaven. The Bible vaguely uses uh, phrases like to be absent from the body is at home with the Lord. And in some sort of way, what we start to understand is that we're going to be in the presence of Jesus. Jesus uh, was next to a man on a cross, and he says, today you'll be with me in paradise. And so I actually believe that there's really two stages of heaven, right? There's this stage, which is paradise, which is to be present with the Lord. It's where we go. It's where our loved one goes immediately after death, right? That you're with the Lord, that you're in paradise. But heaven hasn't yet come. That's the second piece that really the Bible is talking about uh, over and over and over again. I, um, I founded, uh, I, I've found great peace in watching um, loved ones or other people that I know that know the Lord and have hope in that uh, pass away because where is their peace in that? Um, it's been in a few conversations beforehand that I believe that God's presence is real even before it happens and gives peace beyond understanding to that person. And that's something I think that I can grab great hope in because that's what I see throughout the scriptures. I remember really vividly I had a powerful conversation with my grams. We were close, and she loved the Lord um, like crazy. She was my mentor. She was what um, we, we had conversations about scriptures all the time, and it was really interesting. She had cancer, and uh, closer to the end, um, she, was, she actually had a conversation with me, and she told me she was scared. And I was like blown away, like, what do you mean you're scared? Like, you're this rock. And it was like, oh, yeah, and we're human, because we're all just, you know, it's scary. And uh, I just talked to her, and I was telling her she think <clears throat> about, like, I really think, and I've seen this, that God gives us peace, that, that there's going to be this peace. And we had this really beautiful moment when um, it was like a day before she ended up passing away, and she was, you know, wide awake, and other grandkids were around, and great grandkids, they were playing and talking, they were joking, and she was smiling. And I remember she looked over at me, and she just looked at me with these bright blue eyes, and she said, I got it. And it was like this, that's what Jesus is about, to be with him, to be with the Lord in paradise in his presence. Where some people have conversations, and there's great theologians out there that have, you know, think this uh, wholly and completely that there's a, a soul sleep, right? Kind of like when you have a really good sleep at night, you go to sleep, and then you don't realize it's been like 10 hours, and all of a sudden you're awake, right? 
and then you're in this new place. Where on the other side, there's this conversation, and a, a, a great um, theist um, and philosopher named Dallas Willard, um, before he passed away, he was having a conversation. He was so present with the Lord, and he was such uh, a man of God, and loved people, and forgave people, and was kind, and, and he actually brought up the, the conversation of, do you think that I'll know I've gone to heaven? Like, will it be much different than what I'm feeling right here, feeling in the presence of the Lord, that I'm just with him in paradise? So when scriptures, though, talk about heaven, they're talking about a realm of God, which the future experience of one is, this is a merging between heaven and earth, which are to be remade and restored. So there's this first process before that then happens, that we would have a new earth and a new heaven. When we're talking about heaven as this final destination, it's what some are talking about, not this ethereal idea of being in the clouds or disembodied or non-tangible reality that people are living in, but this experience of being restored and recreated on earth as it is merged with heaven in the realm of God. This is, as we spoke about last week in Revelation, we'll mention a little bit of it today, this is the new heaven and the new earth, which the future and the final destination will be for everyone who is in Christ. The merging of heaven and earth brings about this restoration of, things that, uh, the, of the way things were meant to be to restore and to remake it. God doesn't create something and then abandon it because it goes bad or because it has sin or because it's damaged. You know, we, we can find that ourselves where we've just lost patience with something and, you know, there was something that was good and whole and it was like it was supposed to be and then it just kind of gets worn down and bad and, you know, maybe you've done this. You're like, I don't even know how to handle this, but I was driving my car and the brakes went bad, so I got to buy a new car right? (laughs) How do I get something new? It's broken and damaged. God doesn't run away from that. And we see this, that instead he works to restore everything as it's meant to be. For instance, just how he continually does for you and I. Heaven is this place where God will dwell with his people for eternity, forever, which means like forever, that this is just a blip on the screen, that there's an eternity ahead of us. And it's not up in the clouds. It's here actually on earth, It will be recognizable, but beyond recognition because it is damaged by sin and is being restored to its intended state. It's like a piece of furniture that's been marred by years of use and it doesn't look the way it was originally intended to look. And so you take it and you break it fully down and you restore it and, you know, you reupholster it and then you look at it and there's still just something comfortable about it, but it's new, Right? It's been restored to its original intent. Unfamiliar, but familiar at the same time. And the people of God were meant to serve as signposts. The people of God here now are meant to serve as signposts as to what's to come to give people a foretaste of the future with God. Which means that now, as heaven on earth, this moment right now that we have, we need to give our best, the best of our ability um, to really um, to point to the reality of restoration of what's to come in God's future present experience. So I want to talk specifically today about some restoration stuff and hit a few of the questions. And next week, we're going to talk a little bit more about what this resurrection or there's some questions of like, what do you look like? Or um, one of the qu- things we're going to talk about next week is 
this idea that, um, you know, people can get really wrapped up in of works, like how do I get to heaven? You know, there's works, and then we have this big conversation of grace, but in reality, at the same time, you're going to read some things that Paul says that works actually do make a difference, that yes, it's grace is what gets you in and Jesus gets you in, but works actually do play a part in your experience. So you can be looking forward to some of that next week and what that will look like. But today, I want to talk about heaven uh, as it uh, comes together and is supposed to look in some of the pieces that take place, specifically this restoration of heaven and earth. I want to read to you some scripture and then kind of break down a little bit, and we're going to jump back and forth like that. So you can follow with me on the screen. This is from Ephesians 1, 3 through 10. Starting a letter, this is Paul. He says, Praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. This is how he originally intended everything to be. In love, he predestined us for adoption, that we would be a part of his family, that would be as his sons and daughters through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, this is Jesus, We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of grace, God's grace, that he lavished us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. Now pay attention to this last verse. To be put into effect, the times will reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and in earth under Christ. So this idea of bringing unity, this restoration of heaven and earth, the Greek word for bringing unity actually means to sum up, to to bring it all together. It's about bringing these two things together, that heaven and earth would come together. And we discussed last week that heaven would actually come down to earth. It's not us going and being, you know, rescued away from in this mass exodus. It's that heaven would come here. N.T. Wright puts it this way in his book, Surprised by Hope. Heaven in the Bible is not a future destiny, but the other hidden dimension of our ordinary life, God's dimension, if you like. God made heaven and earth, and the last he will remake both and join them together forever. In Revelation 21, it talks about this new heaven and this new earth, and the word new here in the Greek and the way it was written actually has a lot of significance It is this word, kanos. It's not a new, like it's never been seen before or discovered before or something that was made new that never existed, but instead a new in the sense of being restored and recreated. It's been purified from its curse of sin or this destruction and chaos and death and decay and transformed in order to have beauty and abundance. You know, Jesse was just talking about this, and we have one, a conversation every week about a transformation story, about how something's transformed in order to have beauty and abundance. This word also means new in quality. In other words, it's something that's been damaged and has now been restored. It's new in its own quality. You get a, I have a, a 1954 Chevy 3100 for my car people out there. That's a, you can think of it, I guess, like a Mr. Miyagi truck, right, from the movie Karate Kid. I got this old truck, and I'm restoring it. It was like from the junkyard. It's like all rusted out. It doesn't even have the parts and the pieces, and it's in my garage in parts and pieces. 
But one day, <laughs> it will be remade and restored to its original intent. Not new as you wouldn't recognize it what it was, but its restoration. Uh, this this uh, riddled with rust that's been put to work to restore it. It could also be called Kenneth, this new, this new thing, this new heaven, this new earth. In the new heaven, we're also going to see the restoration of creation. The restoration of creation. Romans 8 says it like this. Romans 8, 19 through 21. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subject to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought to the freedom and the glory of the children of God. We see that creation itself is frustrated and bondage to decay, and you and I can all see this. It experiences the effects of sin. Creation itself intimately experiences the effects of sin. And so heaven has to restore this, this restoration of what creation looks like. Creation was originally and intended to be in harmony with itself and in harmony with humanity. This is the way God made it from the very beginning. But instead, there are earthquakes and floods and famine. And the earth itself is revolting in sin and decay, causing damage and destruction at times in battle, not only with itself, but humanity itself. There's a material liberation of creation itself that needs to be restored. All creation to be restored. And this, I think, leads actually to the question that I saw quite a... This was a very popular question. Do animals go to heaven? Well, we see our animals in heaven. And I first want to get behind the question. I think that's a great question. Um, I'm going to give a real quick answer and then get behind it. First of all, yeah, dogs go to heaven, can't stone, cats don't. So, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Here's the... Here's the behind. You got a cat. I can see. I can see the different people right now that have cats. <laughs> Literally, I can see it in them. Um, <laughs> uh, here's the here's the question. Really behind the question. It's because I think you know, and this is reality that animals sometimes show us the, what unconditional love truly looks like. Right? <laughs> There's some people that would pick their animal over the person they're living with. <laughs> you know, they have this bad day and they come home. And they're like, oh, the dog loves me, or the animal loves me. And it's taking care of me. And then you look over at like your spouse and they're like, you didn't do the dishes. And you're like, what is this? <laughs> right? I think it's this view of unconditional love. And I think it was a gift from God. And here's one interesting thing. And I can't say that scriptures speak abundantly clearly on this. But what I can look at and say is that God created animals, all animals, and said that they were good and that we were to do things together. Also, when God was trying to restore goodness and wanted blessing and wanted rescue, right? And he wanted to rid evil because we had ran off and decided to do things ourselves because we didn't need a God, we could take care of ourselves. He then tried to rid evil and there was a flood. But who did he save? The animals, right? So there's something special to God about animals, right? And so I could say, hey, I believe that when he restores creation, when it's been remade and renewed, this heaven on earth, that we could see animals there. So sit at peace with whatever that means. <laughs> um, so not only is there need to be a restoration of heaven and earth, there needs to be a restoration of creation, but in the new heaven, there needs to be a restoration of work, 
a restoration of work, right? Uh, some of you uh, have asked, so what are you going to be doing in heaven? What are we going to do? Am I going to be bored in heaven? Uh, are we just going to be singing worship songs the whole time? The answer is no. In fact, it's just preaching the whole time. It's just talking and preaching. It never ends. <laughs> Some of you are like, this sounds like hell. All right. <clears throat> oh, empathy. <laughs> so what are you going to be doing in heaven? Um, you'll do work that you find satisfaction in, uh, that you can lose yourself in where time or eternity actually flows by. One thing we'll do is we'll do work that's meaningful and life-giving. Eternity is like when you find yourself fully engaged in that project. It's actually psychologically called a flow state. When you're just fully engaged in that project and everything else just kind of goes quiet around you. And it's so life-giving and you're so engaged that you lose track of time and hours pass by without you even realizing it. Isaiah gives us a little glimpse into what we'll be doing in heaven. He says this in Isaiah 65, 21 through 23. It says, they'll build houses and dwell in them. They'll plant vineyards and eat their fruit. No longer will they build houses that others live in them or plant that others eat. For the days of a tree, for as the days of a tree, so will the days of my people, my chosen ones, will long enjoy the work of their hands. They will labor not in vain, nor will they bear children doomed from misfortune, for they will be a people blessed by the Lord, they and their descendants with them. This is the description of what some of us will do in the new heavens and the new earth. Imagine this reversing of the curse, this work that the work of your hands won't just be in vain and you won't toil for any, nothing, that the work that will be done will be meaningful and fulfilling. Rather than working to make someone else richer or to give others an abundance, you'll enjoy the work of your own hands. You'll experience the benefit of it. It's the part of worship, and it's a part of that worship that the new heavens and the new earth will be. When Paul talks about doing everything for the Lord when he speaks, this is a part of that experience, the, the building and the creating and the making things that bring film, fulfillment and enjoyment where you experience this flow state, this peace. And T. Wright says it like this again. He says, what you do in the present by painting, preaching, singing, sewing, praying, teaching, building hospitals, digging wells, campaigning for justice, writing poems, caring for the needy, loving your neighbor as yourself will last into God's future. These activities are not simply ways of making the present life a little less beastly, a little more bearable until the day when we leave it behind altogether. They are actually a part of what we may call building for God's kingdom. There needs to be a restoration of work. And this is what heaven will be like. And finally, how I want to end today is talking about this last bit of restoration that will take place. This is the restoration of relationships. In heaven, we're going to see a restoration of relationships. <clears throat> in that same chapter of Revelation, Revelation 21.4, it says, He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning, crying, or pain, for the old things have passed away. The older things includes, specifically, death and mourning and crying and pain. And he's saying, notice that God is wiping these away, that heaven will look like these things don't exist any longer. 
A part of this redemptive work in the new heavens and the earth is dealing with the things that have caused heartbreak and brokenness and and bringing about healing in those specific places. One of those significant places is actually relationships. There's three spheres of brokenness that we see that happen from the very beginning um, with God and his people. You see it in relationships with God, relationships with each other, and creation itself. There needs to be a restoration of these relationships. He's bringing healing in all of those relationships. Some of us cannot wait for that to happen. Restoration of relationships is a picture of the presence of God and his wholeness and his goodness in heaven. And if that presence is ongoing in its own fullness, you'll experience a complete ongoing of wholeness in these relational spheres. Specifically, what we learn from Jesus and how we see this enacted with us is that Jesus came to be with his people and bring the kingdom of heaven. As he even taught us how to pray, our Father who art in heaven, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. To give taste of new heaven on earth. Meaning that we actually get to give a glimpse, a picture of what the future of the reality looks like. We, friends, actually have an opportunity through our own redemptive relationships. Also understand that as a value that we embody here as a faith community. To be a signpost or a foretaste of what heaven actually looks like. That our lives, that Jesus says, when you live like this, when you live a grace-filled life and you're a kind person and that you give grace to community and that you are a people in process that are taking next steps, that what you're doing is you're actually making this whole restoration process take place here now on earth as a foretaste, as a signpost to what this actually looks like heaven on earth, what it's actually going to look like later. Which means that as our role Our role as a faith community, as followers of Jesus, isn't to sit around and wait for these things to happen, but instead be a part of putting them on display for others. And some of us hate that because it means restoration. It means grace. It means redemption. To live it out now as the best we can in the midst of sin and brokenness, the restoration of creation, this meaningful work And relational wholeness is tough, but it's what we've actually been called to and invited into through Jesus. I think the most bold and courageous question that I got this last week about heaven was this. After years of alcoholism and drug addiction, will I have enough time to earn my place? I love that question. The answer is no. It says in Romans 3.23, for everyone has sinned. Everyone has sinned. Everyone has dealt with an addiction or a heart issue or uh, their issue. You just go ahead and own whatever that is. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet, God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. Can you earn it? No, he freely gives it, he freely makes it right in his sight. And he did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. 
For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice to our sins. And Paul wraps it up by saying this, people are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. So here's your next step. Here's my question for you. I get to ask a question now. Will you trust Jesus for this life and the next? Will you trust Jesus for this life right here, right now, this little taste of the kingdom here, heaven on earth, and will you trust him for the next, for eternity, for heaven, and the restoration of all things? For some of you, that's going to be a great first step. It's going to be um, saying like, hey, I'm ready to start this journey, and we have a gift for you. We have a, a next step, which is this journal called, it's called This Changes Everything. Because when you trust Jesus, when you trust God for this life and the next, it changes everything. This is a 21-day journal about just uh, who God is and what it's about and how he's for you and what your identity's in and just that little taste of heaven, right? And we have that as a gift for you. There's a little living room area off to your left as you leave the lobby. We'd love to give that to you and even have a conversation 21 days later or five days later or whenever you have great questions as you're unpacking this stuff. Another great step for you today might be to actually do this to commit to an act of restoration as a part of being a signpost towards God's future. What do I mean by that? Keep that up there for a second so you can see that. To commit to an act of restoration. This is all about restoration. And to commit to this act by being a signpost or a foretaste towards God's future. Quite simply mean this. This is a difficult one. It quite simply might be taking out your phone right now or in the next couple of minutes and scrolling through your contact list and waiting until you find that thing that just makes you go, ah. And then engaging with it. Engaging in some sort of restorative process. This doesn't mean that you need to hang out, but this might need, mean, need to be like a text, like, can we talk soon? Or this might need to be a re-engagement of like, yeah, I fell off and I haven't talked to you and it's just gotten overly done in procrastination, but that's not what a signpost looks like. That's not what redemptive relationships look like. That's not what a grace-filled community looks like. That's not what Jesus looks like. That's not what a new heaven on earth looks like. And I'm this week going to engage in some sort of restorative process so I can be a signpost as to what God's future actually looks like. So there's two beautiful next steps for us as we engage with what happens after you die. And some of the decisions we make now literally can have an impact forever. Would you stand with me? So if you're here today and uh, you're like, God's just stirring you and you're ready to engage into that and to trust Jesus now for what eternity looks like, and you're ready to take this step, we would love for you to do that. But maybe you're here today and you're like, yeah, it's interesting. I'm open. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to explore and check that out. We also want to give this as a gift to you, to go on a journey, to seek out and say, what is this really all about? Like, what is this, like, just the whole thing? Like, where it starts, where do I start? This is a great starting point, and don't, let the, don't pass up this opportunity, this moment as you leave this place. Um, if you're new with us, so glad you came. Give us a couple weeks to get to know us. Um, and uh, we'd love to get to know your face and uh, you for you get comfortable. We have a gift for you uh, if you want to go get that, and uh, hopefully we'll make a better impression next time. I don't know. Use whatever you need. <laughs> Come back, engage with us. Maybe you just want to engage and ask some questions. Ask some great questions like, hey, is this all even for real? 
And then if you came here today and you're just like, hey, I need some prayer. That's really why I came. And this is like, I heard like a praying place and I don't even know where else to go. We have people there up front. They would love to do that with you uh, in person. And then we also have connection cards or on the app. And we will do that with you throughout the week. Um, I'm glad you were here. I'm glad that we're doing this conversation together. You're not seeing this conversation really being talked about around. And so may we engage into this fully. And I have a blessing for you as you leave in this posture of receiving and just giving up. May we trust Jesus in this life and the next and fully engage and understand what that may mean for us right now in this week. Be blessed, friends. Love you. See you next week.